And we're back. It is September 29th. Kelsey, we have almost made it to October. Uh, the Bears are in full swing. The Bulls and Blackhawks are about to get started. We won't have any sh- uh, p- postseason baseball here in the city of Chicago this year. We'll get to that all a little bit later on. But, uh, but Kelsey, first, I wanted to lead the episode by saying uh, we are back to our normal, I guess, original setup because <laughs> fall has arrived and it is fucking cold outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> We're outside. Or inside. Yes, we're inside. Yeah. Yeah. Sit about because we are just not crazy enough to be um, doing this outside. Yeah. But um, for me personally, I'm kind of enjoying fall a little bit um, and the chillier weather more than I thought I would. So I'm on board with that. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. Being able to open the windows, um, especially at night. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, I sleep on the second floor at brian's place and um Uh it gets hot like unbearably hot in the middle of the summer um and even like with the windows open and in the fall it's still warm in my room for some reason i have no idea why i've been unable to pinpoint why that is like my room faces south it's not like it faces west at five o'clock when the sun is hitting the window right Uh. it faces directly south so i don't know why but whatever the windows are open. Um, last night I played softball, and it, it was last night was the first night that it really felt like fall softball um, because mm. we typically will play into mid to late October. That's not going to be the case this year because we were really lucky with um, weather and rainouts or lack of rainouts during summer, so they were able to start uh, fall softball for us um, early, earlier than normal. Wow! I know it's going to be, uh, I have one night of league left. No, never. I have one night of league left. Um, and had it not been for a rain out this past Tuesday, um, not this past Tuesday, but a week ago, Tuesday, I would have been completely done with men's league, uh, at least for my regular teams, uh, before October, which I don't think has ever happened. So, um, crazy. Yeah. It's going to give me a nice long break between, uh, softball and, and basketball refereeing starting up. And do you appreciate that? Just like, is it nice to just be like, okay, I'm done for a little while. Yes. I can relate. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. this is like a good thing for you. A sigh of relief. Yep. Is I- it like anything in life when you're like really excited <laughs> when it starts and then by the time, you know, it gets to the end, you're like, thank God. I um, yes and no, because like with, well, with softball, right. It's like, we get to play for, six months out of the year, give or take, right? Mm-hmm. And most most softball players don't start in March when we do, right, with the tournament mm-hmm. stuff. You know, most most players will play starting in May with the summer league. In a more reasonable time. In, in a yes, more reasonable temperature, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm so, aware. <laughs> you know, for, for guys who play as much as me and the guys I play with do, um, by the end of the season, it's like, okay, I can have some nights back. Uh, my wallet will appreciate not going out to the bar as often. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like as the as the nights dwindle down, like I've got one, maybe two games left, and then mm. I put it away until March. So it's almost mm. like, okay, do I really want to stop? But I kind of do, you know, at the same time, just to, get, just to give myself a break because, you know, not everybody obviously does uh, basketball officiating like I do, but... Um, you know, they might do other things. They have hockey leagues. They play basketball recreationally, whatever it is, right? Um, basketball for me is five, six nights a week. 
that's even crazier for me than softball is. So I'm that's gonna, true. yeah, I'm that's gonna enjoy true. the month I and a half. Of, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy yeah. the month and a half off, and um, you know, get to get to rest and and you know, really start to focus on um, you know, getting back into basketball shape because it's a different kind of running. Um, I you know, just can't even imagine having to get into shape for <laughs> at this point in my life. Like the mere idea of it is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like if I had to get into like something, some kind of shape for something, I think I, w- I might just be like, no, never mind. I won't, I won't be doing that. You know what? You know what also um, came to mind was um, a pot of chili. Because it's, it's I know, it's getting to be that time where a pot of chili that just does sound, sound lovely. Yeah. I feel like we talked about chili, maybe not on the podcast, but maybe last time we saw each other. I think there's going to have to be and a Bears Sunday where we all get together and, and there's chili to go around. Because I mean, I believe you, that's you, true. You, talk about, yes. you talk about an all-time comfort food. I mean, come on. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's hard to beat. <laughs> we did. So um, I think we could definitely get on board with that. Pre-COVID, we did a chili cook-off in the office. It's one of my favorite days oh, ever. Fun. Yeah. I mean, we well, probably had lovely. 10 different kinds of chili. Like, Yeah, you, you think... we did one too, but I'm not I'm not actually a huge chili person. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sorry, no, I brought I'm it up then. About that. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I'm like... When I was a kid, I hated chili, and then as I became an adult, I realized it's much better than I ever gave it credit for. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it like but, it, it depends on what you're looking for, right? You could do no bean, yeah. you could do it with mm-hmm. beans, you could do it with chicken, you could do it with beef. We do it with turkey often, ground yes. turkey. Um, yes, big turkey fan. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of different things you can do with chili. Uh, we could probably fill a whole podcast, you know, much like uh, Forrest Grimp, For- Forrest Grimp, Forrest Gump. And all the kinds of shrimp there are. Um, shrimp, <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's too funny. But uh, speaking um, of fall, speaking of Sundays, and speaking of chili, uh, our Chicago Bears, Kelsey, are, are believe it or not, they're two and one. I don't know. I don't. It, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> um, I have to because it's true. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, mm, is this true? Um, and I think it's interesting because, um, I saw just parts, bits and pieces of the last game. And I remember at the end, um, after lots of yelling, I kind of asked Kevin, like, (laughs) so how do you feel about it in the end? And he's like, I mean, I'm glad they won, but, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's that, but there's always the, but yes. Um, and there's, there's lots, there's lots of buts to think about, um, in a, in a certain context, um, the uh, <laughs> at the end of that game, as as Cairo's lining up for that field goal, um, and I was like, okay, he, let's think about this. He's probably going to make this. The Bears are going to be two and one, but it, it was one of those wins where I had no reaction after the game winning field goal. Right? It's it's mm-hmm. it was a slog of a win. Mm-hmm. The, it's tough to watch. Just kind yeah, of really. the offensive issues. Watch persist right there's there's still issues with the passing game there's still issues with Justin Fields and concerns are growing with the quarterback and um fair or not they're real and he's learning on the job and I'm not sure it's going to get any easier for him because teams are going to start to hone in on what he does well and take that away from him and force him to be a pocket passer which to this point he is not he hasn't been allowed to be. So unless the Bears are able to 
get really creative with some pass protection to keep Justin clean in the pocket, they're going to be in trouble because, I mean, they've been running the ball really well, but, you know, David Montgomery now might be out. I'm assuming he's probably not going to play this week. Uh, so that takes away, you know, one of your two really good backs. Correct. Um, yeah, I saw that, that he's been out of practice and right. likely going to be out. Although um, I, I will say... I, I I was question say, though about something you were saying, which yeah. is that people are going to start to realize what Justin's not good at. Do you think that they haven't noticed before? No, I, I think it's been pretty evident. Um, you okay. know, once you once you put oh, a couple oh, games on film, oh. and and I've started to see teams do this is is really focus on creating containment, right? If you if you have mm. if you have defensive ends or outside linebackers who you know their job on a given play isn't necessarily to get to the quarterback but they're just trying to make sure he doesn't get outside, right? Because what Justin's okay. been really good at is once the pocket starts to break down and he isn't able to find a receiver, he escapes the pocket mm. to either side and is able to use his legs. Well, if you create contain, then he's not able to do that as effectively because now he's got to make, now he's got to escape a potential sack and then make another man miss on the outside. It just makes things a lot more difficult for Justin. So um, yeah, I think they're going to try to focus uh, and make make him be a, a traditional pocket passer, and that's that's not his strength right now. That's not the Bears' strength right now because they, yeah. they simply can't pass block effectively enough to give Justin a lot of time back there. So um, yeah, I think so. Uh, who's, whose fault is the issue for offense? Is it Justin's fault as a QB? Is it his line? Who's to blame for the fact that we're seeing sort of lackluster um, offense right now? It's all of the above uh, of what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I, there's been a couple of people who I've listened to on the radio over the last week, week and a half or so that have cited that receivers are open, right? It's mm-hmm. um it's not necessarily you know what we might think of. Oh, Justin doesn't have good receivers. Well. Apparently they're getting open, and, and admittedly I haven't watched the, um, the they call it the all twenty two view, where you can literally see everybody. They have a camera angle where they zoom so far out that you can see everybody. Um, I would have and to. And where is this available? Um, the, if you get like the NFL Game Pass or whatever it's called through their the NFL oh. website, you can pay for it, but uh, I don't feel like paying for it. Um, sure. I'll sure, rely on other people's you. research. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that seems very reasonable to me. I didn't realize that such a thing was available. Oh yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I huh. think when it, when I was, um, you know, actually working in sports radio, I think I did pay for it um, because it was it was valuable. Honestly, like you can you can go back uh, and the good, the good old days of uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right for that kind of cheap. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I thought about trying to make it like a work expense, seeing if I could get like the company to pay for it, mm-hmm. but that didn't end up working out. But anyways, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see for myself, but I'll, I'll rely on what experts tell me uh, because they're experts for a reason. Um, but the receivers are getting get open, that. right? It's not necessarily the, the fact that, you know, they, he doesn't have any top tier receivers. Um, it's just he's... I, I think what happens is Justin sees one thing pre-snap and then a completely different thing post-snap, and he's confused, oh. right? Defenses are disguising themselves to look one way before the snap, and then they, they drop back into their actual defense, and it's completely different from what Justin read po- or pre-snap, and that's confusing him. So now he's, um, you know, he thought he had an idea of where to go with the ball uh, before the snap, 
and then he realizes, oh shit, it's a completely different coverage than I thought. Now I don't know what I'm doing. Couple that with the fact that the offensive line can't pass block for more than a second and a half, and he doesn't mm-hmm. have time to stand back there, pat the ball, and go through three reads. So it's 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 a yeah, mix of both. Okay. It's, it's a mix of both. That's fair. Um, so my one of my questions in this whole thing is, as a coach, and we have a first year coach here. What I mean, if you were coaching this team, what would your move be this week? During practice, what are you focusing on? So when, when the Bears are able to establish the run, which they have been, they've been running the ball very well, um, mm-hmm. you can then use play action, right? Fake handoffs, roll him out after a fake handoff. He's very comfortable when he can get out of the pocket, set his feet, and find a receiver. Um, and okay. you can do that off of play action, right? Whether it's out of shotgun, mm-hmm. whether it's under center, I think they're going to have to establish the run and then also uh, use play action effectively, use some rollouts. Um, it's pretty obvious now that they simply cannot block with five guys, which is why Cole Komet has been very non-existent in the passing game to this point because they've had to use him as a pass blocker, right? Mm, yeah. um, you know, you, they, they can't effectively pass block with, with the five offensive linemen. So you need one, maybe even two tight ends in the game to uh, supplement pass blocking, which leaves you three guys on a route. It's not ideal for mm-hmm. the modern yeah. NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's going to ideal ha- at any point in time for the NFL. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no, I'm, like, I'm serious. I'm just curious if there was a time that this would have been okay. Uh, you know, yeah, like probably been a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably so like this, the seventies and the eighties, they didn't really run a lot of the spread offense that, uh, has taken over the, the game now. Um, it's it's interesting in, in football you you kind of see trends go upward rather mm-hmm. than downward right because I, I suppose you know in these high school and college offenses and I, and I guess um, high school emulates college but college or the NFL tends to emulate college because these players come from college right mm-hmm. there's quarterbacks who come into the NFL having no idea how to take a snap from under center because they've been in shotgun for their entire high school and college careers, because that's the kind of offense they run. That feels like a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> for for a, a, an old school, hard-headed football person? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> that <laughs> but, feels like a bad idea. <laughs> but for modern football, that's kind of what it is. Um, okay, and interesting. The, the colleges that run a quote-unquote pro-style offense anymore mm-hmm. are few and far between. It's... It's largely spread it out, throw it all around the yard, run out of shotgun, have have a quarterback who can use his legs. Um, you know, you don't you don't find the six five two fifty quarterback anymore. You just, Correct. You just yeah. don't. You want you want your quarterback yeah. to be a dual threat, um, and so mm-hmm. it trickles upward. You know, into the NFL, and you know the guys who can be pocket passers still tend to be more successful. Um, mostly because I think these mobile quarterbacks end up getting hurt inevitably at some point. And every time Justin goes to the crowd, I'm like, get up, get up, get up. And he's gotten up pretty slowly after a couple of these runs here recently. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, with it sort of being a numbers thing, right, the the volume of running attempts that he's going to have, the more likely he is to get hurt. Well, he's probably just as likely to get hurt in a sack, um, you know, than he is running the ball. So, 
I don't know. They they need to protect him. Um, they need to uh, give him more time to throw the ball. And when he does run, hopefully he's able to either get out of bounds or get down on his own accord before somebody injures him severely. Um, so I kind of started this out by talking about our, our new coach um, a little bit because he's so new. Things are he's adjusting I'll say it that way um if you had to give him a report card today and I know that that's not really your thing we talked a little bit about the overreactive nature and those kinds of things but if you had to give him um one today what do you think you would rate him how would he be doing in your mind yeah um my the first thing that came to mind was a a solid b minus um and so Eberflus, that's pretty not bad. No, that's, I, that's I mean, really look, bad. you're two and one. Guys seem to buy in. Um, mm-hmm. We've got to get the offense going, uh, and they've had trouble <laughs> stopping the run. So that's that's what's keeping them from, you know, uh, getting a higher grade. Is you know the offense is lacking, and uh, what they've shown through three games is they have a hard time defending the run, um, and that's mm-hmm. I think going to be a big thing this Sunday uh, when they face Saquon Barkley, who is uh, one of the better running backs in the league. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, but to get back to your question, I think, um, given the fact that they're two and one, um, you know, they, they won that game, uh, against the Niners when they weren't expected to, um, conditions notwithstanding, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they win a game against the Texans that, yeah, they, they probably should have won regardless, but they won a close game. So give them credit for that. Um, sure. you know, they, uh, Doing, doing what he has with what he has, um, <laughs> if, if, that, if that makes sense, right? That's, that saying makes it, sense. The scary part is it does. Yeah, right. It makes right. perfect sense. <laughs> uh, so far, I mean, the buy-in for me is, is one of the biggest parts of this grade because... I was just thinking that. Like, yeah. When you can do that, and I think coming into the city of Chicago, the football dynasty legacy not even those are the meatball wrong words, meatball you know fans the, yeah yeah like the the way that we kind of see the sport and all that goes with that is such a big deal to be able to kind of come in and i think particularly coming off of kind of uh Nagy's philosophy that soured um quite a bit um and just kind of Picking it up and going with it, I think, is a really big deal. Um, so I kind of am with you on that whole idea of, like, buy-in. Um, and I think it's as much from the fans as it is for anything else. So when somebody who's a big fan rates him, you know, B-minus, I feel like that is as important to buy-in, not as important as the players, let's be real, but kind of like a good indicator that he's he's doing a good job. Yeah. A- ask me again in three months. Um you know, I, I as might we've said, as <laughs> right. we have said, I mean, that's kind of your and my theme for this whole thing is like, yes, we think it's a different kind of season than anything else. And you can't treat it like any other sport. It's a once a week. You, you just can't do it the same way that you do everything else. So, um, you know, how often have we said that now that's going to be our refrain, but right. it's a good refrain. So we're going to stick to it. And, and we have <laughs> to keep in mind that the record this year still, even though we've gotten off to the two and one start here, right? The record at the end of the year is not going to matter, right? The, the overall record, what we want to see is the development of the quarterback. Uh, so that's not so much on Eberflus because he's, he's got the defensive focus. 
for him, that's going to be can, about. Can we talk about why the record doesn't matter? Um, because I don't, I don't think this this team is going to make the playoffs, much less win a Super Bowl. Okay. So Got it. yeah, I I think the the end result is not the biggest part of this equation here. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest part of this equation, because we've been thirsty for this for so long, is the development of the quarterback. Do we have a guy that we can have here for the next ten years? Got it. To Got lead it. this okay. to lead this offense, can we finally bring the Bears' offense into the modern NFL? That's what mm-hmm. I want to know. Okay. And I think that's the most important question um, of this season. There's there's going to be a lot of uh, there's a lot of speculation, at least, that uh, the Bears are going to be spenders in the offseason because they have uh, cap space and, you know, they, they're probably going to have a mid-first-round pick. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, actually, I'll, I'll have to check on that. I think they have a first-round pick next year. It's, <laughs> they, they might not. Uh, let me see if I can look that up quickly. Um, because I might be able they, to. They've, been, they've been giving out uh, their own first-round picks like their Halloween candy the last few years. So you never know when the Bears are actually going to have a first-round draft pick at their disposal. Um, mm-hmm. I know that was kind of a big deal um, over the course of the last few years. It's just yeah. kind of... Well, that's one of the reason that's, reasons that the Bears have been stagnant is because mm-hmm. they, they haven't been able to go get that top-line talent. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Let's see. Mock draft 2023. Looking this up on the fly. Yeah, uh, they they do have a uh, uh, first round pick in this in this upcoming draft, and yeah. a, a way too early mock draft that I'm looking at has the Bears taking an offensive lineman, which I'm okay with. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's, that that was kind of a missing piece at the last draft. Yeah, it was it like. was a bit of a surprise that they went defense with the first two picks. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, a guy whose football opinion I uh, appreciate said that both of those first round or the or those early draft uh draft picks for the bears have been really really good so um i'll take his uh, i'll take his word for it it's it's kind of hard okay. to evaluate individual defenders sometimes because like for example um one of the bears cornerbacks jalon johnson like he wasn't thrown at I, uh, I think against the packers they they did not target him at all so huh you should take that as a compliment, right? This is a sign of respect. Like, I'm not going to throw at this guy because he's either going to be – my receiver's either going to be covered or I stand a chance to get it picked off. So um, that's a sign of respect. That's interesting. And I wouldn't have necessarily contextualized it that way. Yeah. Um, which is why when you say things like some really, you know, not important but informed person I know said this, I'm always like, oh, yeah, what did say? <laughs> right. <laughs> my, eye, my ears, like, perk up. Like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Because there's always that that angle that you never would have thought to think of, and as somebody who's really just a, a sideline, um, sideline fan. I mean, in a very remote way, as opposed to somebody who's very excited about it, like yourself. Um, it's just not the kind of thing that I would pick out on my own. That's I would fair. be like, mm. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even you didn't. So you know what? I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm actually going to take that one as a win now that I think about it. And again, like if, <laughs> if I had the time in my life to watch games over and over again and watch the all 22, you know, maybe I could come up with a similar opinion, but at the same time, I don't have time to do that. So um, <laughs> there's lots of other things going on. Um, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time <laughs> for that. Exactly right. So bears on the road again um, this weekend uh, in New York to play the giants. They're actually, I, I was, 
this is a schedule irregularity. They're playing two road games in the same stadium this year against two different teams. Can you explain this to me? So this would hap- This could happen in two separate places in the NFL. Um, okay. It could happen in Los Angeles, where the Chargers and the Rams share a stadium. And it can oh. also happen in New York, technically New Jersey, where the Giants and Jets share a stadium. Which is where it's happening? Correct. Or Okay, okay. Yep. I guess I didn't realize that the Rams and Chargers shared a stadium, which is kind of stupid. <laughs> now, well, they spent enough money on it, they should. Bit, <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about if the Sox and the Cubs had to share a stadium. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, I get that it's impossible for a schedule in baseball in a way that it's not impossible, right, with the... Um, like we again, we've talked about this football schedules being as forgiving as they are um, versus every other sport. So I know it's actually impossible, but it blows my mind to think of teams sharing a space in that way. Blackhawks and Bulls, fine, they play different sports, right? But I mean, think about like uh, the Chargers and Rams. I mean, the Rams haven't really been there long enough for there to be any contention i would think but like what, what happens when you have rivals who share a stadium well um first of all they're they're in different conferences the rams and the chargers so they don't play each other all that often mm. i don't think um and okay but neither do well so are so are the Sox and the cubs they're in different conferences yes correct um <sighs> leagues whatever i don't know right what I, I got what you meant um also i think the way the baseball schedule works out typically this doesn't always happen Typically, the Cubs and Sox are never in Chicago at the same time for probably like 85% of the season. I'd be curious to like cross-reference their schedule and see how many series they are home at the same time for. Obviously, when they play each other, of course, um, you know, they're obviously in Chicago at the same time. But um, for the most part, I think the the White Sox are on the road when the Cubs are at home and vice versa. I don't know if that's done on purpose because... I don't see a logistical reason why that has to be, but um, I guess that's what just they normally do. Kind of fascinating. Okay. Yeah, so I think they they probably could share a stadium. Um, now, when it comes to like Can rainouts, you fathom and, it. <laughs> when it comes to like <laughs> rainouts and things, um, that would get dicey because uh, you you get to rescheduling things, and you know maybe you'd have to play a Cubs game at one o five and a Sox game at seven o five on the same day. Now that mm. would be interesting. As a and fan, field keeping the field as it should be and that right. kind of stuff. That would be right. tough, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they do it for a normal doubleheader. You know, why couldn't they do it for... Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, you now make th- a good point. Yeah. Right, I'll give you that. There, there probably wouldn't be any concerts at the baseball stadiums, which I, I know they use Wrigley for a bunch of concerts. Have they ever had a concert at Guaranteed Rate? I can't think of one ever. A great question. And off the top of my head, I'm going to say no. I mean, way back when they had the Stones, right? That the old Comiskey. Did they? Um, that was the. Uh, oh yeah, that was a nightmare. That wasn't um, disco demolition. Well, no, that was just during a game, wasn't it? I don't know no, about during a game, of? but. <laughs> I'm thinking of. They did a seventh inning stretch concert. <laughs> but I don't know that they do them anymore. I I kind of don't think so. Right. I, I think if they if they're gonna do a concert south of downtown, they probably just go to Soldier. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and also um, if it's a smaller concert, um, you're going to do Northerly Island, which is right next to Soldier Field. So, yeah, also I'm true. thinking yeah. perhaps the neighborhood just does not um, attract people, right, in the way that we know Wrigley does. Sure, so but, at, just... like, at the same time, like, you have massive parking lots. Like, like you don't you don't have lots for cubs um i mean we had to park Pretty interesting huh where, where did we park it, for when we went to lumineers oh we um we got a sticker a neighborhood sticker from a softball friend and, and parked a couple blocks away on a random street um were you so happy um were yes. you so happy <laughs> yeah oh because we God. didn't have to pay for it yeah like we we looked up well, spot hero for that night like Jeez, yeah the minimum on spot hero was 45 dollars the I'm minimum. not at all surprised by that. No, For a I'm concert. Not it's, even, not even a, it's not even mm -hmm. a Cubs game. I, I mean, wherever they can make money. So, oh, my God. I sound like my father. But it's true. <laughs> wherever they can make money, they're going to make money. Yeah, that's um, true. So I just think that there's, there's uh, we went, this is actually kind of relevant, kind of not, but I'm going to go with it. Um, Ben's birthday was last week. Mm-hmm. He turned five. We wanted to do something kind of special. And I let Kevin talk me into the Shedd Aquarium. Oh, nice. Um, where I have not been since I was in grade school. Okay. Um, it's been a really long time, which I've been wanting to go back. This is not a, like a place I don't want to be. Right. Or anything like that. Um, but I had sort of been like, oh, are we going to do, we're going to do this on a Friday afternoon? Oh, okay. Um, Shedd Aquarium, P.S. Not cheap. No, um, we managed to get Adam in as a two-year-old and not pay for him. Um, so if the Shed Aquarium people are listening, they're going to come find me. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to pay thirty dollars for him to oh, get God, in. No, <laughs> so I mean I all didn't. all you had to do was say he's two, right? I did, um, but his favorite first line to people is, "I turned three in August." So um, we had to like just basically tell him to shut up. Nobody cared, yeah. FYI. Yeah, I was not. I did not need to be worried about it. But um, the thing I was trying to get to is, it, it was quite an expensive trip. Um, but or and um, parking was like thirty bucks. So where where did you and park? I, it was close by. It was well. So they have a couple lots. Um, for the Field Museum, Shed Aquarium, and Planetarium are all right there. Right. Sold with um, Soldier Field, yep. and then, of course, Northerly Island. So there is one where we did, it was right by the Planetarium. So it's kind of on the right south of the, and east of where we were. And okay. we just walked, and it wasn't too bad. But yeah. it's like, wow. Um, that, you know, that's kind of a kick in the balls. Like, yeah. after you've already, <laughs> like, God damn. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, long story short, what I was going to say is we thought the kids were going to be really impressed by Soldier Field and they were not. <laughs> and I thought as we as we drove up there, I said, you know, it's really not as impressive as I remember it being the last time I've seen it. It looks more and more like a spaceship every time I see it. And that's so, kind of what the nickname for it is, right? Um, I know. <laughs> I know. And I, I've never really not that I've not understood it. But I've just sort of been like, yeah, okay. I mean, right. it really, it really looked unimpressive when we were going by. And so just, maybe it's a little bit of bias about how cool it might look. And, yeah, that um, that could Arlington be. Heights, I don't know, but I've, I've always thought like Soldier Field after the renovation just looks generic. 
Like there's nothing special yeah. about it at all. Yeah. I like I know they left the colonnades and you know that's really cool, but it's just it's bland. Really mm-hmm. bland. Mm-hmm. Um from the outside. It's like if you're playing Madden you create like a a stadium in the game and it's like they give you templated options. That's that's kind of what I envision Soldier Field is, is that you know, one of those templated options on uh on Madden. Um so yeah, Bears I can and Giants. Completely see that, but <laughs> you've been in there. And I have. You can agree that it's far more comfortable and luxurious now that it's been renovated. Um, the seats are really hard plastic and not mm. comfortable at all. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I've I've talked about. So the, it's really just larger, and that's it. Yeah, it's just larger, <laughs> and even then, it's it's the smallest stadium in the NFL. Um. Mm. So yeah, it's 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 got its limitations. That's for sure. Um, have you seen the old photos of it? Oh, yeah. Have you seen what it looked yeah. like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, really and truly looking quite a bit. Not like a coliseum, but like a track and field. Yes. Decathlon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, this, the site itself is really old. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was it was erected for um, a World's Fair, maybe? Yeah, that that sounds Isn't right. That, yeah. No, that I mean, that sounds right, because I think... What, what did Chicago have? Two World's Fairs? Um, they happened in that area, like Navy Pier, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Museum Campus, um, you know, the island there. I think that was all um, World's Fair territory. But anyways, um, yeah, um, major possibilities for what could become in Arlington Heights. Um, I did want to talk about, uh, Kelsey, the, uh, the White Sox, and they are now eliminated from playoff contention, whereas 10 days ago... They had uh-huh. a golden opportunity in front of them with uh-huh. the Guardians in town for three games. They had a chance to close the division lead down to, I think it was either a game or a half a game. And quite frankly, I talked about this last week with with Ben Heisler because he was on, uh, we recorded Thursday, I believe, of last week. And uh, yeah, we did. And it was the, the night of the last game of the Guardians series. And I mean, I said it with Ben and I'll say it with you, the White Sox just shit the bed that week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's what I feel really sums up um the season and I'm going to steal from a, a champion from Ozzy Guillen because I was watching something with him and and Shock the other day and, and basically was like what word would you use to describe the 2022 season other than disappointing? Sure. And Kevin was giving Ozzy some shit because he goes, well, each of those words is the word disappointing. Like, it's just a synonym <laughs> for it. Right. But then he yeah. came up with my favorite, which was overpaid. <laughs> and I was like, well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> because um, it, it brings me back to that sobering reality of what these people make um, every time. And, uh, and maybe this isn't entirely fair. Um, but just the expectation when you are a professional playing at this level and making this paycheck and what you give every day of yourself and what kind of commitment you should be kind of expecting as a fan for the kind of money that those people are making. So that was interesting. Um, and then also, obviously, the, I mean, j- disappointing is the word to describe this season and golden opportunity missed and pooped the bed I'm trying to watch my language um yeah um but also you know i think in addition to overpaid i think um perhaps overconfident 
um, in a, in a way that they maybe did not deserve to be. Um, I think the beginning of the season, there was a lot of um, player hubris going on or maybe organizational hubris that might be better. Um, and fans didn't feel the same way, but I feel like the organization did. Over, so, overconfidence is an interesting word that I think you chose there. And um, sort of reminds me of the 2017 and 2018 Cubs in a way, because um, it, it maybe was some fandom overconfidence as well. Um, mm. Like I can vividly remember the Cubs in 2017 um, did not get off to a super hot start like they did in 2016 in which they ended uh -huh. up winning the World Series, of course. Um, uh -huh. And you figured in 2017, hey, we're just rolling right along. This is basically the same team. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're still in a dogfight for the division, um, you know, down to the end, basically. And I remember, distinctly remember in, like, May and even early June, like, radio hosts I'd be listening to were like, oh, the Cubs are going to be fine. They're going to win this division by 10 games. And I'm like, are you watching what's on the field right now? Because that's not matching up with what I'm seeing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, you can use the eye test as, as you will. But, um, you know, the, the play on the field, I think much in the same way that it happened with this year's White Sox, like what we were expecting and what we were confident was going to happen did not happen and had mm -hmm. no chance of happening. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think overpaid, overpaid only because of the end result. Um, you know, they, we wouldn't be, obviously be saying that if they were division champions, but um, I think that's going to come up in any sport, you know, when someone mm -hmm. doesn't perform up to financial expectations. Um, but yeah. overconfident is, is an interesting word and, and one I can resonate with as a Cubs fan uh, back, you know, just a few years ago. So, um, yeah, in, interesting, interesting choice of words there. Um, you mentioned Ozzy, and, and he's a name that's come up a lot recently in conversation mm -hmm. as we're assuming that Tony La Russa is no longer going to be the manager of the Chicago White Sox after this season. He's been out since uh, almost a full month now, actually, um, because of, I, I guess, some heart issues. But, uh, um, you know, Miguel Cairo has been doing a, a pretty admir admirable job um, despite this recent eight-game losing streak uh, that I think just <laughs> ended today. I know, I know. We're, we're recording on Thursday the 29th. I think they finally won a game today. Um, but, uh, the, the team seemed to perk up a little bit when, um, you know, Tony left the dugout, but anyways, um, you know, probably somebody completely different, uh, next year in the dugout for the White Sox. Not sure if Kevin has shared with you who he thinks should be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox, but, um, you know, Ozzie Gein is certainly going to get a lot of mention over the airwaves over the next couple of months here in Chicago. Um, he didn't say who he thought should, but we had a discussion while watching Ozzy because one of the fan questions that was posed to him was, you know, would you come back? Um, and he said, you know, no, I, I like being popular in the city, <laughs> I wanna, um, which I thought was like truly a very, in a funny way, Ozzy kind of answer, um, and, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go in there and start screwing stuff up and, and all that stuff. And Kevin kind of, I thought, um, to give him some credit, really sa said, wow, Ozzy's dancing around that. So he really, he really had to say like all these excuses, not just like, no, I wouldn't, or I don't want to. Um, it was like, oh, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing right now. 
you know, just like it was very, it was an interesting answer and I, and I hadn't really caught on to it um, in a way that I think Kevin had, but once he said it, it was very clear. Like, yeah, you're right. He's, he wants to come back, but at the same time he knows he shouldn't. So he's just going to kind of, <laughs> yeah, his, you know, put it out there like, nah, his, you know, his kind of blase way. <laughs> yeah, his point about liking or enjoying being popular. I mean, that's, that's pretty spot on, you know, being a, I, I can only imagine the stresses of being a professional coach or manager um, because, it, it. yeah, in, in those jobs, you're hired to be fired, right? You're going to, mm -hmm. you know, if you have success, you're going to be revered until you start to fail again. And then, you know, sports is very much what have you done for me lately. And unless you're unless you're Phil Jackson in the 90s or, um, you know, uh, uh, Red Auerbach um, in, in the 60s and 70s, um, John Wooden with UCLA in the in the sixties and seventies. I mean, um, you know, coaches don't stick around for as long anymore. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you you look at uh, an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've had, I forget the number, but a minute number of head coaches in their history um, compared to everybody else in the NFL, and that's largely because of success, but also the um, understanding of ownership that. Not every year you're going to win the Super Bowl, right? And sure. as and as long sure. as you're doing the right things by your team as the head coach, and as long as you have the respect of the organization, mm -hmm. you know, like why why make a change? Because you know you see some of these teams. This happens a lot in the NFL, right? Guy comes in for one year. Uh, generally, bad teams are the ones making coaching changes, and you can't build Rome in a day. Um, they sure. have a subpar season record wise, and the owner fires him. It's like, well, what did you expect? Like, mm -hmm. you, you, you're going to need more than one season to build a culture, to build a team, to build a winner, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. But, um, you know, as far as manager of the White Sox, I, I don't think bringing Ozzy back is a good thing. I think retreads are, they generally just don't go well. Um, you know, you can ask all of the people who have tried to bring back popular TV shows from <laughs> yeah. other times, <laughs> right? Or, you know, whatever. It's, it's not good. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like when, um, and, and then at the same time, you know, Ozzy is the mo of course the most recent uh, World Series winning manager of the White Sox. Um, so you know, he is revered in the city because of that fact. But also, you know, as time went on, you know, he. Um, you know, people kind of forgot about that for a little bit um, because, again, what have you done for me lately? Uh, and lately does he not mean became, last season. I mean, he's a he's a big talker. Yes, and people don't yes. always he's, like to hear what he has to say. It's yes, not like that's it's a good just, point. Right. I'm, you I'm, know, Ozzy is controversial in his own right. I'm, um, I'm glad you brought that up because been. yeah, he's a very colorful personality. Um, good way to put it. Yeah. Colorful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I think the White Sox need somebody um, younger. Uh, AJ mm -hmm. Pruszynski is a name that I've heard being brought up. Uh, and Speaking of controversial, <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, I'm not saying that I think AJ would be a bad manager. Um, I think sure. I think it's um, you know the, the White Sox are in their window right now, mm -hmm. supposedly, allegedly. Um, I doesn't think, feel like it. But yes, right, right. right after here. after yeah. this 2022 season, you're right. It doesn't feel like right. it. But um, I think the White Sox need somebody with managerial experience. Um, contrary to what the Cubs did in 2020, when their window was uh, still cracked open, but really not. 
Um, mm -hmm. And they brought David Ross in, who had zero managerial experience. I think what the Cubs saw coming was what's happening now is they've been bad for a couple of years and, and sort of rebuilding. Um, and we'll see if when David Ross is given a good baseball team, if he can take them to the playoffs and beyond. Um, the White Sox have a very strong foundation in place. They need a guy who knows what to do, knows what buttons to push. And a, a name that's been brought up a lot is Bruce Bochy, uh, who was the manager of the San Francisco Giants in the early 2010s when they won three World Series. Three mm -hmm. World mm -hmm. Series. So uh, that's an interesting name. Um, sounds like from a quote I read that uh, he is willing to listen if somebody wants to talk about managerial openings. So that's mm -hmm. probably your front runner right now. If, if, they, if I had to put a, a, a title on somebody to be the front runner, Bruce Bochy, just based on the rumor mill, is probably that guy. Okay. We'll see. You know, we went into this year without super high hopes. Um, well, that's probably not true. I would go back <laughs> no, and check. The, 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 hopes, the hopes were very high for this were, team. They were, but they weren't at the same time. Like, I, I feel like from the start, I had sort of this, like, not as excited as I should have been kind of feeling. That felt like that was why. But anyway, um, you know, the controversy of Tony La Russa seems to have resolved itself, so to speak. Um, and kind of moving on to next year, hopefully there's something good that's going to come out of this season. Um, we'll yeah. have to see, but um, I don't really need to talk anymore about the Sox. If you don't need <laughs> to talk fair. about the Sox. No, that's, that's fair. Um, I, I did want to mention, though, staying <laughs> with the baseball theme, um, it was a, a pretty historical week for for Major League Baseball, um, two home run milestones um, eclipsed. And, um, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, and yes. That's very, great. very exciting, even though it did not involve either of our Chicago teams. But um, really last, okay. yeah, last Friday, um, last Friday night in Los Angeles, so this happened later at night, um, Albert Pujols hit home runs number 699 and number 700 in the same game at Dodger Stadium. On the West Coast, late at night, nobody could see it because it was on Apple TV. Oh. They've done this wow. thing all season where Friday nights, they pick two mm -hmm. games. And unless you have, and I guess you can get like a free trial for it, but. Yeah, you can. But. It's like a hassle and a half. And like, normally, <sighs> I, I would not. But if I were a Cardinal fan. Um, or a Dodger fan, yeah, I'm probably going to get the free trial for that game when Albert's knocking on the door of 700. Um, but like, I was, I thought that to myself. I'm like, because we were we were home Friday night uh, after I, I I played some softball subbing for a team, and we came home, and mm -hmm. I was like, huh, Albert hit 699 earlier. He's got at least one more at bat. I should try to find it, and I have the MLB app where I can tune in to pretty much any game. I went to go find uh, it, and except. It's, except it's on Apple fucking TV, and I'm like, well, shit. Like, it should, they sh and maybe maybe they had live look-ins on ESPN or MLB Network, but I guess I didn't think to look, but. Um, How do you feel about Thursday Night Football being on Prime? I'm, I'm glad you went there. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you went there because this is a growing thing in sports. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. wants a piece of the sports pie. 
and the league which is understandable i mean it's incredibly lucrative like nobody it's incredibly lucrative for, for the leagues right and the players are going to make more money because of it it sucks mm. as a consumer correct it's like where the hell do i have to go to find this game this week right um there's a there's a game in london uh, coming up on Sunday morning. So reminder for those of you listening, set your lineup Saturday night. Um, I think it's the Vikings and the Saints, maybe? I, I might have that wrong. But anyways, um, there's a game in London that starts at 8.30, I think, our time, um, in the morning. It's quite early. It is. Um, and, like, I don't know what channel it's going to be on. It might be streaming on Yahoo. It might be streaming on it. I have no idea, right? Hmm. It should just be Fox or CBS. Uh, maybe that's old school thinking of me, but I, I think I think it's reached a point where it's a little ridiculous. Like all these streaming things like Peacock did Sunday morning baseball. Apple TV did their thing on Friday. There's Prime Amazon mm -hmm. football. Um, uh, Peacock for golf. Peacock for this. Uh, Prime for that. I, I, it's too much. This may be I sound like, biased of me personally, but um, something being on Prime so much more convenient than something being on Apple TV because oh yeah I I think uh, way more people have access to Amazon Prime than Apple yeah. TV 100%. like I own an iPhone but I don't get anything you know beyond that whereas like being a Prime member I'm not doing it for the television but it helps that that's kind of there yeah just you know I they they have um, a, a pretty good like on demand video platform too live sports notwithstanding. I, yeah, I think so. Um, but I, I think I'm with you. We're both old. I get that. <laughs> um, and it, and the world is going into a different direction. It's going into the world of streaming. And um, when we got our, our TV that we got, um, it's not a smart TV. And um, the person... I don't think smart who, TVs existed when Kevin got that thing. Oh, no, no, no. But we got a new TV. Oh, recently, okay. Got it. And we did not get a smart TV. And it was like a big, it was actually like a disclaimer on the website that was like, this is not a smart TV. And I kind of laughed because um, we recently, when we moved, we switched to Xfinity. Okay. And the smartness is built in. Right. Meaning, you know, all of the apps and everything you could ever want, it's just, you just tell the remote what you want. It takes you there, which is horribly convenient um <laughs> and my kids can now watch whatever they want which is horrible not convenient but also convenient um but i i was kind of like you know realizing you know the smart the streaming the apps it's all it's it's all there is almost anymore i mean cable's becoming yeah. almost irrelevant um regular tv broadcasting um is just I, I think we may have mentioned this when we talked briefly about the Emmys, but um, oh, you're right, regular, yeah, um, yeah, and, regular and I, TV. They won like what two two Emmys? Sure, of everything. I, <laughs> I, I, like... I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen to like live TV commercials and what it's going to cost. Like obviously, like mm. obviously, the Super Bowl is not going to change anything, and um, sure. you know, live live sports is kind of the outlier because you know most people watch sports live. Um, especially mm -hmm. now that I can find the score wherever I want to uh, for a game that I missed. I'm not going to go back and watch it. Um, mm -hmm. So live sports is not going to change. But, like, network TV on a Tuesday night, right, ABC, CBS, NBC, they have their lineup of shows. So primetime television, you know, that's 
probably not cheap to advertise on because there used mm-hmm. to be eyeballs upon eyeballs on those shows. Now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for example, I uh, was talking to Ann yesterday. I was playing softball. She was staying home. And I said, hey, what are you going to do tonight? And she goes, well, I've got a lot of shows I can watch. You know, the Chicago shows are on live, but I probably won't watch them live because why watch them live when you can fast forward through commercials later? It's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get, I actually kind of get incensed when I watch commercials. Yeah. Is um, I mean, just such a first world problem. Oh, it is hundred percent ridiculous. Hundred percent. Um, to have been just t- completely um, spoiled by Netflix and mm-hmm. all, all of the things. Yeah. Um, let Let me ask you this: completely sports unrelated. Um, oh, okay. You're probably one of the only families I know that's our age that has uh-huh. not yet cut the cord, so to speak. Has that come up at all? Did it come up maybe in the move? Are we talking like for regular cable? And right, sort of so like streaming? getting yeah, yeah. Get, getting rid of your actual cable and like Ann uses, uh, she just switched <sighs> to Hulu um, for streaming. No, it didn't come up. Um, Kevin would not do that. Um, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> and I kind of looked at like, you know, we, we are, so we pay a lot of money for cable and that includes like premium stuff like HBO and Mm -hmm. like we pay a lot of money, um, because Kevin's a big TV person and he always has been. Um, and I was like, okay, well, what if we didn't do that? And we like, we didn't do a cable package, but we did, we steal Netflix from somebody or, you know, we do, you know, if we kind of pulled here, we did something like Hulu and it's like, yeah, but then we want to watch this and that and that, and those things are all included in cable. And so like, why would we then basically paying similar amount of money? We, we figured, um, there's the horse racing component. That's kind of hard to get to if you don't have a cable package. Um, it can be hard to get some of the channels that Kevin watches for that. And also, um, it's a pain in the ass to manage and I'm a busy woman. So <laughs> when it all comes down to it, um, it really was a good discussion. Yeah. Kind of one thing that like of all the things that kind of just can make Kevin happy easily, <laughs> good, good, readily available television is one of those things. That's like, yeah, that's, worth every penny yeah that's um, fair but i know like Anne also grew up without any cable at all true um so true. she's very accustomed to sometimes being told like no you just can't or going to a bar to watch a game right my husband would not do that um one of the many things that Anne is good enough to do that kevin is probably not um <laughs> but i feel like there's just a, a difference in um kind of what you grew up with as well, because while we had cable, we never had special channels like HBO and Showtime, never. Right. Um, and now I've become really spoiled by those. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, you know, the more you get kind of accustomed and used to something, the harder it can be to cut the cord. Oh, yeah, I, I get that. I, I get that I'm 100%. I'm sure we can do this. <laughs> 
I'm um, really not sure. <laughs> I, we got off on a little side topic there, but uh, oh, we did. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to downplay the significance of, of Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs, one of four people. Let's go back to that. <laughs> yeah, one of four people in baseball history to do that. He joins um, Barry Bonds, uh-huh. Hank Aaron, and mm-hmm. Babe Ruth as the other three. And um, how many asterisks are there? Uh, and do we need to talk about that at all? In, in the 700 Club, uh, depending on who you ask, there is one asterisk. Uh-huh. And that would be Barry Bonds. But it's, yeah, exactly. But it's kind of a that's, – that in itself, I think, is an interesting conversation. We probably don't have time for. Not tonight, um, no. 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 Um, but, good, you know, good for him. That's, like, to say that's an accomplishment is quite an understatement. It's ridiculous. but And he's, um, he's 42 years old, and he came into the season – needing 21 to get to 700 and to hit 20 in major league baseball is no small feat, no matter how old you are. Right. And he's 42. Wow. I guess I didn't realize how many he's hit. Yeah. That's impressive. All right. Good job, sir. (laughs) So we'll see how many he ends up with. We got uh, about a, about a week left in the season. Um, I, I'd say I'd, is this his final year? Yes, this is it. Do we have okay? This is it, and he okay. said he said too, like if I end at six ninety nine, that's it. He ain't coming back. <laughs> you even imagine? I would. I would absolutely he, come he back to hit one more to be in that club. Yes, I, I think he's played long enough. He's been good enough that I think he's earned that right to come back for one more um, week. Just if it to, takes just, just a week, to get it. right? Yep. yep. <laughs> Um, God, I can't. That's actually like a kind of willpower. I think very few, few people in his position have. Right. Right. To right. say like, I mean, to, Tom Brady, um, to be able to say like, <laughs> no, I'm done and I'm going to bow out gracefully regardless. Now, he didn't actually have to make that decision because obviously he got where he wanted to be. But and maybe he wouldn't have if he'd actually gotten in that position. Right. But, right. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. And yeah. There are a lot of people who would say that or certainly carry through with it. I mean, um, he's he's going to end up being a weapon for the Cardinals in the postseason too. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. At forty two years old, yeah, nuts. The mm-hmm. uh, the other major accomplishment is we've got our first sixty home run season in a while. Uh, Aaron Judge has just been murdering the baseball all season long. Um, got to sixty the other day. Got to sixty one last night. Um, what I thought was pretty cool. So Roger Maris was the last guy. Uh, before, uh, I guess he was the original guy to get to 61 total home runs in a, in a yes, season. Yes, yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, in 1998, both Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, with or without asterisk, depending on who you ask, um, both got past 61. Uh, quite in, a season. Yeah. Quite say, a season. Yeah, quite a season. Um, in fact, Mark McGuire broke the all-time home run record against the Cubs. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's a fun little bit of trivia that people love to just considering talk Big Mac about. and Sammy were going toe to toe that Correct, season with yeah. the home run race. Yeah. Um, so uh, McGuire and Sosa before that, but given the fact that Roger Maris was a Yankee um, and Aaron Judge is a Yankee, uh, Roger Maris's son was in attendance, I guess, last night to witness this, even though he made a big deal of it when Mark McGuire did it back in 1998. Um, you know, he was there last night, I think because of the Yankee connection and maybe because of the asterisks involved with 1998 <laughs> as well. Um, you know, but, uh, 
I mean, Aaron Judge is going to finish the season probably with, I mean, at the rate he's going, 63 or 64. I mean, that's wow. just a, a ridiculous season. He might win the Triple Crown. Um, you know, he's got a legitimate shot at MVP, of course. Um, you know, probably between him okay, and I Shohei Itani. Stupid. The Triple Crown? So, yeah, Triple Crown is uh, batting average, RBIs, mm. and home runs. If you lead in, if you okay. lead the league in all three of those categories, you've won the Triple Crown. I am not certain that I knew that. Yeah. That yep. might be a term I, I was not familiar with, so thank you, Brady. I feel In feel baseball, at least, of course. Well, yeah. That, certainly, I know the other one. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> but no, I don't know if I actually knew that that was a thing. So It doesn't happen for... very often, either. Um, let me see sure, when the last one was. So. Yeah, right. Uh, triple crown It seems winners. like quite a feat. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in fact, there have only been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. This is a less frequent occurrence than a perfect game. Put it that way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. last the last guy to do it was uh, Miguel Cabrera in 2012, ten years ago with the Tigers. And actually, wow, we have okay. we had a chance in both leagues this year. I don't, I'm not sure where both guys are, but Aaron Judge in the AL and Paul Goldschmidt in the NL uh, both had huh. a, a pretty decent shot of it as of recently. So now that would be That's something kind of to a have it extra layer of cool. Yeah, I mean, my God, it's happened once before. Yeah, once before where we've had two in the same year: 1933, Jimmy Fox and Chuck Klein. Uh, Jimmy Fox in the AL and Chuck Klein. In the NL, actually, both, interestingly enough, both guys in the same year playing in the same city, Philadelphia, once upon a time, had two Major League Baseball teams. Uh, both oh. guys won the Triple Crown. Here's a question for you. When did they start referring to it as the Triple Crown? The, like, when did that become a thing? Uh, the earliest recorded Triple Crown was 1878. But were they calling it that, or is that just in retrospect we're looking back? That might be, like, yeah, that might be in retrospect. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia, so it might, it might take me a minute to see when they started okay. considering what a Triple Crown might be. It also may not be there. I understand that that's not something that's necessarily going to be kind of recorded there. But right. I'm but, just sort of curious. But listen to these stats. Like, so, like, Aaron Judge could win the MV or the uh, Triple Crown this year with 60-plus home runs. In 1878, okay. Paul Hines, a center fielder for the Providence Grays of the National League, won the Triple Crown. He hit 358, which, now that would be a huge average in today's game. Um, mm -hmm. He finished with the league lead in RBIs at 50, and he hit four wow. home runs. I'm sorry, what? Four. Now, okay. baseball was a lot different back then, right? They didn't use uh, the, uh, the ball that they use today, and I'm not sure all the fields had fences in 1878. Um, huh. So the, the home run uh, really only became a thing when uh, Babe Ruth came into play, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, huh. yeah, it was a uh, different time back then. But yeah, led the league with four homers. Would you call Babe Ruth the father of the home run? That's fair. Probably, right? yeah. 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 Okay. And he and plus he was a left-handed batter in Yankee Stadium, where right field down the line is like 314 feet, so that's nothing to a major league hitter. 
Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for baseball. Yeah, um, I would say so. Um, I did want to touch briefly on the Bulls, just because there was some news today. Uh, I know they're starting training camp and still still a ways away from uh, from games, but um, uh, Lonzo Ball has been in the news all pretty much all offseason. Really, the Bulls didn't really do anything free agency, right? They got a couple draft picks, of course, but um, you know, no major moves for this team. But uh, you know, we were hoping to get Lonzo Ball back uh, for the 2022-23 season, but his knee has continued to be an issue. I guess today or maybe yesterday he underwent another knee surgery. Uh, you know, they always say it went well, but I guess time will tell how well it went and how effective it was. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, that's that's a major point for the Bulls going forward is what uh, what are they going to get, if anything, out of Lonzo Ball this season? So, you know, I don't know if there's any been any conversation in the uh, in the Lachlan household about uh, about the Bulls coming back. We've had some conversations recently, and I'll tell you that has nothing to do with anything relevant. Um, <laughs> everything's been about um, the fact that our kids unearthed on YouTube. Because thank you for Xfinity, we now have all this access to things that they didn't have before. Of course, um, they're able to, or they unearthed a video that's like the Chicago Bulls intro theme song. Oh yeah, uh, o- over the years. Um, and so that's been actually quite a bit of fun. But one of the main components is that after they watch the old ones, they want to watch one from this past season. And it was from January and ball was in the lineup. And I was oh, like, oh, wow. I don't know if I can remember that. <laughs> right. um, I was like, really? Like, I didn't even like it kind of jarred me when I was listening to people. Right. I'm listening to names and I'm like, yeah, tomorrow. Great. Then I'm like, what? Balls in there. That's crazy. So that was kind of like, not anything like earth shattering, but just, it was sort of like, Oh, Oh, okay. He cool. did play at some point last season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Um, because you know, like you said, there's just been, we've got nothing out of them. Um, and then the other thing that we were talking about was we had seen, um, an interview, um, that Cap did with Zach Levine. Um, and it was, I was, you know, basically we were trying to figure out what, where they were and what they were doing. Levine was in uniform. Um, they were at the UC. We we're very confused. I said, "Are they playing preseason games?" You know, it just it seemed. I think they they had like confused. a media day this past week. Exactly. Yeah. They had uh, some kind of photo shoots that they were doing, and it was clear. But um, I asked what the because I noticed that Zenny is no longer their sponsor. Oh, okay. Rola is on their jersey um, in an obnoxious way, like <laughs> they all are. But also, there's a there's a black number six. And I asked Kevin, who's who's six? And of course, it's um, oh god, what's his face? Oh come on, Kelsey, number six on the Bulls. Oh my god, I'm totally blanking. I'm but to not important. He's he's not dead. Um, and of course, when a, you see a black number, and he said, "I'll bet it's for Bill Russell." And Kevin was right. Oh, the league okay. Has put Bill Russell's number on all of the jerseys this year. Um, so it was. His number was retired in Boston years ago. Um, the NBA is going to retire the number um, league-wide this year. Wow, I did not know um, that. That's news mm-hmm. to me. Which is very, you know, unusual and has only been done a couple times, I think, um, 42 in baseball. Right. Um, Jackie Robinson, and there was – there might have been another one. Um, but I thought that was interesting, and I, I said to Kevin – 
not unkindly, I don't think, but I said, is Bill Russell really that big a deal that you would retire his number league-wide? And Kevin said, I think Bill Russell's way bigger of a deal than anyone makes of him. Right. Which led us to watch um, this really interesting, I think it's technically a 30 for 30. Um, one of the, you know, ESPN's got such amazing documentaries um, just kind of across the board. Their stuff's great. Um, and they had one called um, Best of Enemies Okay. recently. I, th- I think it's recent because Kevin just watched it. It's a three-part series of Boston and Lakers um, from, you know, their early days. And it's three different episodes. We only watched the first one. So um, I have to keep going. But the beginning is really interesting. Bill Russell features greatly, as you can imagine, um, his relationship with Brad Auerbach um, is mm-hmm. also a big component of it. Um, and then also his sort of uh, refusal to stay quiet on issues of civil rights and of race um, at the time was a, a big, big, big deal. Sure. And I, I just don't think I knew any of that about him yeah. really at all. So that was really interesting. I recommend it. Best of enemies. Uh, um, the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. I thought you weren't finished. No, no, no. It was just. It was. I mean, we weren't really talking about the Bulls at all by the end, right? Because we were talking about Bill Russell. But I do right. recommend it. It was really interesting. So I was going to say the um, the NHL actually retired a number league wide. Gretzky. Yes. That was it. Yep. Yes. Thank you. That was the last league I remember now because yep. it was not. I mean, I I don't want to to downplay right how amazing he is, um, but I think. Jackie Robinson's um, number was certainly retired for talent, but definitely also for um, you know, things outside baseball. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And so, and I think then this is what I kind of learned is that like so is so is Bill Russell's sort of right, like contributions mm-hmm. to the game certainly, um, but also kind of a bigger, more meaningful thing as well. And and Gretzky's really isn't. Not that it should detract from it. He's an amazing player, but. Um, just kind of an interesting thing. And because I'm pumping documentaries, we also caught a little bit of, I don't know what it was called, um, but I had no idea why the Cleveland Indians were called the Cleveland Indians. Um, and they had an, a Native American player in the, I want to say it was early 1900s. Okay. Um, and the team got the nickname because I think they, I, I don't know if they even had a, a name then, um, right? It was so early on that they, you know, like how they were just all knickerbockers and yeah. shit like that. <laughs> right. Um, stupid shit like that. Um, and they, they had a Native American player and the press kind of started to call them the, the Indians because of that. And I had no idea that that was where the name originates, hmm. um, originated. Um, and it, there's a, it was a really interesting, again, really interesting documentary, and it talks about how um, there's nothing harmless, even though it's a nickname based on someone who actually played. You know, there was really nothing harmless about it. It was yeah. incredibly racist even at the time. Um, and the, while people uh, and his teammates in particular may have been very good to him and loved him and, and been good, you know, there was never anything benign about the name um, or the Chief Wahoo um, 
mascot or any of it, you know, yeah. it was always kind of really horrible. And the media was incredibly racist in everything they wrote about it. But um, but I didn't know that. And I didn't know if you knew that. It sounds like nope. you didn't. Nope. So. News to me. Please You're going to watch me. it. I'm going to send it your way. All right. Whenever I Please remember do. what it's called. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is key. That is key. It'll be a while because I'm old. So <laughs> it'll take a little while. Um, we but should. Yeah, we, are, that's what I have. <laughs> nice. We, uh, we shouldn't finish without mentioning um, sort of the news of the week in the country, um, and that is, of course, the hurricane down in Florida. Um, I guess a major hurricane had not hit the area where it hit on the Gulf Coast of Florida in over 100 years or something like that. Um, you figure is that true? That's, that's what I read, that like the Tampa Bay area had not been hit by a major hurricane um and i don't know what definition of major hurricane would be um i'm sure they've had storms roll through there but i mean it was a it was a couple miles an hour of wind short of being a category five hurricane when it made landfall so i mean we're talking on the magnitude of katrina um and uh by all accounts the devastation down there has just been um you know widespread and um you know uh devastating for lack of a better word um, yeah. so, um, I actually have family in Sarasota, um, and they are safe and sound. Um, they Good. rode out the storm, I Good. guess as of this morning, they had lost power, but it had been restored. Um, okay. no cable or internet. So they were, um, I think, uh, in a, wa- a Walmart parking lot, stealing some Wi-Fi from Walmart, um, okay. just, just to I have some connection that. to the world so that they could update yeah. us about their... Uh, whereabouts so um and then my my other aunt and uncle and i forget exactly where they are in florida where they moved to uh within the last year or so but uh uh, i haven't heard any negative reports so i'm gonna assume they're okay yeah it's um it was interesting because i had been hearing some little rumblings about it and i feel like it took a long time to make its way anywhere the storm you mean maybe yeah yeah it feels like it took a long time been to make it to Cuba where it hit before you know like it just felt like they saw it coming for a long time compared to kind of what I've seen in other cases which is that like we saw it but it came really really fast well and I think like a long time it it really hasn't been an active hurricane season to my understanding you know obviously us Mm. here in the midwest you know we don't deal with hurricanes but um sure I I think it's been a, a really light um hurricane season and given the fact that they are only on i as far as named storms uh speaks Mm. to that fact because they're normally pretty far down the alphabet every year with uh with hurricane names hurricanes are one of the reason why i will never like natural disasters are actually fairly low where we are correct technically right in the tornado we've talked about this before yeah hurricanes are fucking terrifying yeah I cannot even fathom it. I want nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> earthquakes, equally terrifying. Sure. Um, although in different ways. And so I'm like, you know, Chicago is a pretty shitty place. But natural disaster-wise, we're doing okay. And so that's why I live here. And why there will be no palm trees in my future. <laughs> um, because that's where hurricanes happen, where there are palm trees. Right. I feel, and I'm making light of this, and I really shouldn't be. I mean, this is just kind of who I am, so apologies. Um, But I feel like I read a book 
as a kid of uh, maybe in like third or fourth grade called the K, Q-U-A-Y, um, which means small little island. And the story is basically like they're on this island and a tornado comes through and the, um, pardon me, a hurricane comes through and um, it's a kid and a, and a man. And I want to say the man shields the kid against a palm tree. And I think the man dies. Oh, wow. Hurricane or something. I was fairly traumatized. I, I mean, I found it incredibly difficult to like forget. I mean, I'm 35 and I was probably 10. Sure. Eight, eight or 10 when I read it, right? Like, <laughs> right. it kind of stuck with me. I'll have to go back and look at it. But um, I remember like just reading about it and being horrified. And the first time I ever saw footage of one, I was like, no, I can't. I could never live in a place where that could happen. Do you remember There's when we were, um, you remember when we were in the Outer Banks and we stopped uh, just to take a look at the ocean or whatever it was? And, um, there was like uh, a bridge or wood remains in the water and someone came by or something and said, Oh yeah, that was from the hurricane last year. Yes. I do remember. I mean, it was a bright sunny day. I mean, we could never imagine like having Mm -hmm. that sort of storm roll through there. And the fact that, you know, these, these towns now have to rebuild, like we've seen, we've seen tornado damage. Right, roll through whether Correct. it's here or yeah. uh, the traditional tornado alley in Kansas and Oklahoma, and you know you see the the unfortunate devastation of some of these towns, and they just have to start from scratch. And you know, um, a hurricane can potentially be that times ten. Um, and you know, when Katrina rolled through New Orleans, um, you know, Ian is a pretty powerful storm. There's been a couple others of, of recent memory, but. Uh, yeah, um, you know, thoughts out to uh, those affected by it, of course. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, glad that people I know are, are safe and sound, but uh, I, I have not heard of any deaths. Maybe maybe I just haven't seen the news there, but, um, you know, hope, hopefully there haven't been any. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm only half listening because I'm reading the Wikipedia page about the book, The K, <laughs> and I can confirm... That the um, older man who shelters the child does, in fact, die. And I wow. read this when I was eight. And yeah, <laughs> I, won't, I won't go somewhere where there can be hurricanes. Fair enough. Well, and I just, I just, <laughs> I just popped onto Twitter to see if there's any news about Ian. And they've said uh, it's regained hurricane strength. I guess it crossed over Florida. Yes, became I did, a tropical I did storm. Hear they thought it would go back right. up when it hits water. Right, back out over the ocean, and then uh, going to probably Carolinas yeah, are possibly in the path. Right, next. right. Um, side note. Yes. Because I know how much you like to hear about the West Wing. There's an <laughs> excellent episode of the West Wing called "The State Dinner." It's in season one. And I probably even know the episode number, but I'm not going to admit it because that's embarrassing. Um, but it's excellent. And one of the storylines is that there's a tornado. Here I say again, there's a hurricane. That's, that's the Midwest in you. It is the Midwest in me. Um, kind of unexpectedly changes direction. The end of the episode, um, the president is on the phone with somebody who's in 
um, a vessel and it's an, a Navy vessel. So it's a military guy, um, but he's just like a low level person because pretty much everyone else is dead um, or dying in this horrible hurricane that they didn't think was going to hit where it hit, which is why nobody was prepared for it. Sure. Um, and it's just this really very powerful end to the episode. And the president's just there talking to this kid as long as he can, knowing that the kid is going to die. And when I say kid, he's probably 20 or whatever. Um, but he also knew he was going to die. And it was very, very powerful. And I know how much you love to hear about the West Wing, so <laughs> putting that out there. Um, let me it. let me correct myself. Uh, I'm seeing as of a few hours ago, at least 13 deaths confirmed in the wake of Hurricane Ian. So uh, it feels like there had to. Have I been. yeah, I I would have thought uh-huh. the same thing. I just hadn't seen any seen any yeah, news, same. but uh, but there it is. Same. Well, on that lovely note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back in two weeks uh, with Crocs. you. So we'll have a Giants game to talk about. And then I forget who's after the Giants. Let me look it up. In London? Quick. Oh, is that the London game? The London game this week, or no, next week is, is it the Giants and the Packers? I was just reading about it. Um, well, this week is Giants and Bears. Next, the week after that, the ninth is... Um, Bears and Vikings, and that's in Minnesota. Yes, but so in London, the I'm just going back to London because they're playing. I was trying to look up who's playing next weekend. Got it. Bears and Vikings is in Minnesota. Um, that'll mm-hmm. be a, a hungover Bears uh, game watching experience because we. Well, I have a couple of weddings to go to that that uh, that Saturday. You have you have one. I have two. Yes, I have one I don't plan to be incredibly sober for. So there we go. That's fair. Yes. After well, the stress of marrying people and being officially responsible for their legality of their marriage, I will be at least at least your the beverage. Your speaking parts are pre reception, whereas in the past mm-hmm. I've had to keep myself mm-hmm. um, relatively sober enough to make a, a speech. Um, during the reception. So, yeah, at least your speaking parts are early. I've not been entirely sober while giving a speech before, so that was Oh, by, by no means was I sober at all mm-hmm. uh, in either mm-hmm. of my speeches. But, um, there yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be at the, the portion that is uh, pre-reception, pre-cocktail hour, so hopefully... Uh, staying sober won't be too hard. There you go. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. And we'll see you um, there. We'll have lots to talk about on the next one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, until then, I'm Brady. And I'm Kelsey. And we'll be back. <laughs>